We're going to study tonight a series of tshuvas that sit somewhere on the intersection between halacha and theology. As we've noted a number of times in the past, the responsa literature deals mostly with halacha. Occasionally people did pose formal written questions to Gedele Torah about theology, about belief, about about Onesh, about the about the belief system of Judaism, the philosophy of Judaism, but by and large, 95%, maybe, maybe more, 98% of the Shailas Uchuvos deal with halachic topics. The topic we're going to discuss tonight is, as I said, somewhere in between halacha and halacha and hashkafa and theology, and it deals with the question of whether tshuva is required for certain types of inadvertent sins, inadvertent averas, where the person could possibly have checked and been more careful, but he wasn't really mechoyivtu. He did everything that the halacha required of him, and we'll discuss in more detail concrete examples soon, but basically we're going to discuss whether you need tshuvas for certain types of infractions that are not really your fault, you, you, didn't, you didn't fall short of doing anything you should have done, but at the end of the day, you did an aver. Now, as I said, to some extent this is a theological question, Will Hashem punish you? Should you feel bad? Should you feel remorse and do tshuva? But it's also sort of a halachic question because also, as we've discussed in the past, tshuva, today we focus tshuva mostly on inwardness, on harata, on feeling bad, and kabbalah al-asid, on committing to do better. And tshuva today is mostly uh, a religious and uh, mostly uh, an internal, an, an internal um, inside your head, inside your heart process, but traditionally for much of the the history of the last thousand years, for much of Jewish history of the last thousand years, tshuva meant a fairly rigorous uh, prescription, a fairly rigorous uh, schedule of mortification, of self-mortification, fasting, going without meat and wine, sleeping on the floor, not in beds, gullus, there are even reports of uh, self-flagellation and things like that. But tshuva, beginning with the Rishonim of Ashkenaz and going down through the Achronim until relatively recently, the last century or two, tshuva often meant a fairly rigorous, fairly rigorous course of penance. And that's why people often ask Postkim, I did such and such, these are the circumstances, how bad is my sin? Is it bad enough to require tshuva? What kind of tshuva? And these questions, because they weren't just kind of abstract theological questions, these were questions involving uh, a practical pressing concern, what should I do in the sense of penance, these questions were often posed to, to Rishonim and Achronim. The chuvas we're going to see tonight, we're going to see a half dozen chuvas or so, they don't say exactly what they were being asked, whether it was purely a theological question or, or, or whether the understanding was it was a question of penance. I suspect it was an element of the latter that the question was, do we require some level of, of penance? Is this considered enough of an avera to require chuva? Now again, to discuss what the question is, we're going to see a, a variety of variations on a theme, of versions of this question. The basic question is, in certain cases, a person is mechuyev to, to check for something, to do some investigation, like bedikas chametz, a person's supposed to check for chametz. Bedikas tolaim, many types of fruits and vegetables which are presumptively infested or likely infested, a person is supposed to check for bugs before, it depends on the fruit, depends on the year, it depends on the location, but in, in many cases, where, where there's reason to believe that the, that the food might be infested, a person's mechayif to check. In many other cases, a person's not mechayif to check. 
So many fruits, for example, we don't check. An apple, a potato, we check lettuce, we check strawberries, and we don't check apples, and we don't check potatoes. Some, some fruits and vegetables are a machlokas, they're different, they're different monogamy. Some people check rice, some people don't check rice. The, when it comes to checking an animal for trephus, you check an animal, you check for trephus. So there are many kinds of trephus. 18 trephus by one count, 70 or 72 by another count. There are dozens and dozens of trephus. We do not check for most of them. We, check, we famously check the lungs. The, the lungs we do check for certain types of trephus. We don't check most of the organs. We don't check the brain. The, the, we don't check the membranes on the, on the brain. We don't check the small intestines. We don't check most of the, for most of the Yudchest trephus. We do check the lungs. So anytime a person should have checked and didn't check, and then it turns out there was a tray for that, that was there that he didn't check, obviously he's done something wrong. By not checking, he's flouting the demands of the halacha. Obviously that's Navera if it turned out to his tray, and obviously he needs a kapar. We're going to focus on a case where he's not mochiv to check. For example, the rest of the Yudchest trephus, the, the, the th- problems with the lungs and the stomach, so we don't check for most trephus over there. So let's say a person shechted an animal, ate an animal, and it turned out there was a, then it turned out he, he'd happened to discover there was a trefa on the small intestine. Is he mochiv to do tshuva? Is he mochiv to accept some kind of penance? Does he need kapara for this or not? This exact question is discussed by several akronim, including the panim iras, which we'll get to soon. But this whole, this, this is the family of questions we're discussing. Assuming a person is not mochiv to check beyond what he did, assuming he did whatever was required of him by the Chachamim, by the Torah. He could have checked more. He, he could have spent more time and effort checking and might have found whatever the problem eventually turned out to be. But he wasn't chiv to do that. So he didn't. And then it turned out there was a problem. Do you need any kind of kapara? This is relevant in, in, in cases where a variation of this question involves cases of trust, of betrayals of trust. We've had, unfortunately, a number of cases in recent years where someone who was trusted to sell kosher food turned out to be selling non-kosher food, whether it was a business, a non-Jewish business that was certified but was found to have been breaking the rules of its certification, whether it's even a member of, our, of, the, of the community, of the, of the religious community, who was trusted, who turned out to have been committing fraud on the consumers and selling them treif meat. So in these cases, the consumers... Assuming they had the right to rely on the hashgacha, assuming they had the right to rely on trusting the people selling it to them, but it turned out they were reading treif, do they need a kapara? Do we say they didn't do anything wrong because they acted, they, 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 they were allowed to rely on the certifying agency, on the seller, they were allowed to rely on that, and they did nothing wrong because they don't need a kapara? What do you say? At the end of the day, they, they could have been more careful. They, they, they could have had uh, better protocols, and they, they could have uh, not, eaten, not eaten anything they didn't check themselves. They, they, could have, uh, they could have done more. Maybe they do need a kapar. So th- th- this is the general question, the general theme uh, discuss, that we're going to discuss tonight. We're going to see, as I said, a number of different chuvas, but a half dozen different chuvas that touch on variations of this question. The discussion begins with a chuva of the Maram of Rottenburg. Maram of Rattenberg, Rameyer of Rattenberg, Rameyer Barbaruch of Rattenberg is one of the great poskim of, uh, of all time. He was one of the pillars, he was one of the most important figures in the halacha of Ashkenaz. He was a Rebbe of the Rush, as well as other Rishonim. And much of the halacha of Ashkenaz can be traced back to the Maram of Rattenberg. He lived in the 13th century, and he was, again, a major influence on the Rush. And other Rishonim quote him extensively. He was, he was really the first, to the best of my knowledge, to discuss this question. 
we have a bunch of different shuvas from him. It's not entirely clear if these are all different shuvas. They, they discuss more or less the same case. It's not clear if these are just different versions of the same tshuva or if he, or if he actually answered similar questions a number of times. But we have a number of different versions of his tshuva. His tshuva would discuss the following case. A woman was intimate with her husband not during a period of vest, during a normal time of the month where she assumed she was tahara. She had no reason to believe that she was tmea. She didn't have to do, she, didn't, she wasn't mechayif to check necessarily. She was uh, a regular woman in, in, in her permitted time of the month. She went to the mikvah four days ago. She has no reason to believe uh, there's anything wrong. She was with her husband. And then it turned out that she was tmea the, the morning, or she found blood on her clothing, or she, fa- she found blood in such a way that she has reason to believe that she has to assume that blood was there at the time of her, of her relations with her husband. Does she need a kapara? Does she need a kapara for this? So the maram says, absolutely not. You know, again, there are a number of different neschos, there are a number of different versions of this tshuva, or different tshuvas, but the maram says, in all the tshuvas, I don't even know what the question is. He says, I don't understand what you're asking. Anusahi, she says. She is, it's not her fault. What more, what more do you expect her to have done? Rahmana Patra brings a Gemara in Perikidiyas Atuma, in the second Perik in Shavuos. The Gemara says that if it's Shalobishas Vesta, if we're talking about a woman who it's not the time of her vest, the, the Vestas are those complicated, complicated uh, scheduled times of the month, where Al Pialacha, she's Mukhyevis to suspect she may see them thirty days after the last one or certain other types of Vestas. But the so the Vestas indeed there is a concern that, that she'll see Dam because based on the pattern, based on her history, there's reason to believe she may see Dam. But Shalobishat's Vesta, the Maran Shavuos says she's Anusa, and she's Petura from her carbon. Maram says if she's Petura from her carbon, because she's Anusa, it stands to reason she is Petura, she's Petura from any kind of Kapara. I don't know what the question is, says the Maram. She does not need a kapara. Another perspective brings in another Gemara Nida. It says that she's not mechayevus to be bodek, only in certain cases where she's dealing with taharos, like truma. She's supposed to be bodek even, uh, even, even shalobashaz vesta, but there's no taharos, loboy bedika. She's not mechayevus to check. In Cain, my kapara shayach kan. What kapara? She didn't do anything wrong. The, why should she need a kapara? Maram seems to be saying two different points there. The Nod Behuda, we'll touch on later, is actually dissects this in detail. Is the Maram really making two arguments or one argument? But the overall thrust of the Maram seems to be pretty clear. The Maram says, I don't know what the question is. Why would she need a kapara? She's Anusa. She's not Mochif to check. She's an Anusa. Why on earth would she need a kapara? The, another version of the Tshuva, same case. Isha Shimsha Shalobishas Vesta. Then she found Dam. Kapara, neither the woman nor her, nor the man needs a kapara. Not only that, you, you, are, you are forbidden to tell her that she needs a kapara because he, he references a concern. The Gemara says that we don't actually want to encourage women to be too strict about checking and worrying their needs and when they're not because that can lead to, uh, that can put a damper on the whole relationship and then, then she won't want to she or the husband, they, they, they won't want to be intimate because they're going to always be worried maybe there's going to be problems. The Gemara says, you have to check according to certain rules. But once you get beyond those rules, you should not arbitrarily check. And, uh, and you, in this case, he says, you, you, you can't say she needs a kapara because if you would do that, if you would say she needs a kapara, 
that would make them worry every time they were together. Maybe I'm doing something wrong and they're not going to want to have relations together and that's a bad thing. So the Maram says again, she is Petura. There is a rule. The Gemara does say, Kal Hayadam Arba Livdok Rezim Meshubach, that in general, just checking, checking, is, 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 checking is good in certain cases, but in other cases we say she should not do things like this because it can cause Liba Nokfa, it can cause them to worry and second-guess themselves and not want to be intimate, and that's a bad thing. And therefore, she, and she's Anusa, she says, and he brings the Gemara in Shavuos, Onis Rechmana Patre, Bishas Vesta, he says, if they were together at the time of the Vest, when it was completely irresponsible for them to be together, that's like Mazin, and then of course it's a terrible thing. But Shlobishas uh, Vesta, she's Anusa, she doesn't need a Kapara, you're not even allowed to suggest that she, to tell her she needs a Kapara, absolutely not. And this is the, this, this is the, this is the Shita of the Maram, and as I said, in several chuvas. This is picked up by the Maram's most famous and important Talmud, the Rush, Rabbeinu Asher. The, someone asked the Rush the same question. So, the, the exact same question they asked his Rebbe, the Maram, they asked him as well. It was Shlobishas Vesta, it was a normal time, the time of the month where she's Muteris. So she didn't do Badika, and then she was with her husband. And then in the morning she found Tuma. Does she have to have Kapara? And what is her kapara? So you see that they, they asked, you know, what would be the kapara? You see that they're asking not just an, an abstractly logical question. They're asking, if I need kapara, what is it? What do I have to do? It's, it's a serious avera. What, 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 what's my form of penance that I need? Says the rush, Rabbana Meirzal, my, my great teacher, Maram of Rattenberg, Loha Yamatla Le Shum No tshuva. No, not any type of kapara at all, or tshuva. Gemara Shvua says, she's Anusa, Shlobishat's Vesta, she, he's an Onesh, she's an Anusa. And also, you shouldn't require Kapara because it makes Liba Nokfa. And additionally, he says, it's not even clear that, she already, that the Dom was already there, Bishas Tashmish, it could have come afterward, he said. But basically, the, the Rush records the ruling of his great teacher, the Maram. He says, no Kapara, you don't need a Kapara, you're an Onesh, she's an Anusa. You shouldn't even recommend Kapara because that can put a damper on the whole relationship. And therefore, the rush signs off on the ruling of his Rebbe, the Maram, that there is no kapara, no, no penance, no anything, you're fine. This position of the, the Maram and the rush, also brought by the Mardachai, Rabbi Mardachai ben Hill was another one of the great Talmidim of the Maram. He, he's the author of the Mardachai and back of the Gemara, which records many tshuvas of the Maram. The, he also brings his tshuva of the Maram. So the Ramah, following the Mardachai and the rush, the Maram is always an interesting case. So we have today thousands of chuvas of the Maram. They're printed in a number of different collections of chuvas Maram. One of the earliest is Shailos of Chuvas Maram, Defus Prague. It was printed in Prague. There's also Defus Lvov, Lemberg, Defus Cremona. So there, there are a number of, 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 of collections of chuvas, hundreds of chuvas each, and uh, I think totaling in the thousands. And these chuvas, though, were, were, were not necessarily in the possession of the early Akronim. In the rush, they, they, in the time of the Rishonim, they circulated in manuscript. That's where the rush saw them, and that's where the Marams, that's where the Mordechai saw them. In the time of the early Akronim, they, they, didn't, they didn't necessarily see all these tshuvas. And then subsequently, over the last few hundred years, they began to publish all these tshuvas. I always make the point that for much of, for much of, the, of Jewish history, people's importance to the halachic process, people's influence to the halachic process, and, their, and, and the general impact they have on the Masoras of the halacha, came through the written word. Gidole Torah, who were great but didn't write, typically are either forgotten or have very, or have very limited impact on the halacha. Gidole Torah, who wrote, and, and the, the, the influence was largely through writing. 
even though you know, there is there is such a thing as Torah Shabalpeh, and student and teachers who had students presumably propagated some of the Torah orally, but virtually all the important development of of Torah Shabalpeh of what we of, of what we call Torah Shabalpeh the, the post the the extra biblical halacha takes place through the written word for the last thousand or two years. So, for example, my, one of my favorite examples is that the Rush and the Tur. The Rush was one of the greatest poskim of all time, and he wrote extensively. He wrote Piskei Arush, he wrote the Chuvas Arush, he wrote Tosfus Arush. The Tur was his son. Rabbi Yaakov ben Asher, the author of the Tur, the Arba Turim, was his son. And the Tur wrote uh, his magnum opus, was his comprehensive work on, uh, which, which with organizational scheme is still used today, Arachayim, Yerdeh, Hashem Mishpat, Avon That was the basis for the Shulchan Aruch's organization. So the Tur wrote uh, a stupendous work, quoting, quoting heavily from earlier sources. He quotes his father all the time, with great kavod. It's considered rare for him to disagree, certainly not without uh, acknowledging his father's position and disagreeing. But Halodavarhu, it's, it's amazing, 98 to 99% of the Tur's citations of the Rush are from the Rush's printed works. Every, almost everything the Torah quotes from the Rush are from either from the Chuvos or from the Psakim generally. In the rare occasion where we can't find what the Torah quotes from the Rush, Beis Yosef will raise us a question, where did the Torah get this from? It's not, it's not, it's not in our Rush. Oh, maybe he heard it uh, orally. Maybe he learned it privately from the Rush. You'd think he was his son. He probably spent a lot of time learning Torah with him. You'd think he'd have all kinds of interesting halachas that he heard from the Rush. Very, very few. Almost none. Very, very few, despite the fact that they were father and son, presumably Rebbe and Talmud, the Torah has almost nothing from the Rush that we don't have in the, in the written works of the Rush. The, 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 the Messiah of Torah, despite all the things you hear about how Torah, it's important to have a Rebbe-Talmud relationship and it's important to have a personal connection, the Messiah of Torah, in the, for the last thousand years at least, occurred almost exclusively through the written work. And the same thing for the Rush and his, uh, for the Rush and his teacher, the, the Maram of Rattenberg. The Rush quotes uh, a, a lot of Torah from the Maram. Pretty much all of it is in the written chuvas of the Maram. The, the Maram's primary written words were chuvas. Pretty much everything from, that the, the Rush and the Mordechai bring from the Maram is from his chuvas. Now, for, for a while, his chuvas were not uh, printed, and, and we don't always know the sources, but as they printed more and more chuvas in the Maram, we increasingly find pretty much everything they bring from the Maram are his chuvas. Uh, it's not everything yet. Uh, there might be some things that are not, or there might even be some things that... Uh, that, that, that we have yet to find or that we'll never find. But the, the Masaris of Torah occurs primarily, the way, I, the way I see it, certainly in the time of the Rishonim and the early Achronim, through the, through the written word. So, the, so, we, so, so we have this Maram, we have this Rush who quotes the Maram, and we have the... So the Ramah, the, the, the Ramah quotes the, the Beis Yosef and the Ramah, they did not actually have the Shuvahs of the Maram themselves. They quoted from the Mordechai, from the Rush, so they, so they quote this ruling of the Maram, but they quote it via the secondary sources, the great secondary sources, the Rosh and the Mordechai. So the Ramah codifies this halacha in Shulchan Aruch and Hilchas Nida. In Simon Kuf Pehei and Yardei and Hilchas Nida, the Ramah writes, Im Shimsha Shalobishas Vesta, if a man and a woman were together not at the time of her vest, and then they found Dam, even if they found the Dam in a way that makes it clear that it was there, Bishas Masa, and that she was ready to may at the time, Mikri Ones. She's considered an ones, afilu lo bad katrila. See, she's certainly an ones if she checked and she didn't catch it. But even if she didn't check, she's an ones. Ve'enam srichim kapara, lo hu v'lohi. They don't need a kapara. And that's from the Maram. That's from the Maram, the Rosh, and the Mordechai. So this is the first major ruling, major discussion we have. It is widely accepted among the poskim 
that if a woman discovered she was in need at the time of Tashmish, assuming it was Shlobashas Vesta, she didn't do anything wrong, she does not need a kapara. Later, there, there is one dissenting view in the Achronim, one maverick view in the Achronim, but that's the, an outlier, the exception that proves the rule. This is a widely accepted pshat of the Gedoli Harishonim, widely accepted shita of the Gedoli Harishonim and the Ramah, without any major cholik, that if the woman found herself to have been Anida, not her fault, even if she didn't check, she wasn't mechayiv to check, not a problem, no need for tshuva. The next tshuva we, we're going to see is, this is one we actually have seen in the past, in, a, in, a, in, a, in passing, in a share on this topic, that is a tshuva of the Panamiros. That, that, that is one of the most famous tshuvas on this topic, it's a very short tshuva, but it's a very uh, assertive tshuva, a very, and a very, uh, with uh, significant ramifications. This is a tshuva of the Panameiros. Tshuva's Panameiros. The Panameiros was Rameir Eisenstadt. He was born in 1670, died 1744. So he's about 300 years ago. He's uh, about 300 years ago. He wrote the Tshuva's Panameiros, a classic, classic work of Halacha of the Achronim, three Halakim. He was asked the following question. He says, he was asked, he says, Nishalti, Echad She'achal Of. Someone ate a bird, shechted a bird, ate a bird, a chicken, let's say, and then he found one of the Yudches Trefus. Not, you know, the lungs he checked, he didn't do nothing wrong with the lungs. One of the other Yudches Trefus, he happened to be making kishka out of the intestines or something, and he found there was some problem with the intestines. He found there was some puncture of the intestines, for example. He found there was a trefa. Just need a kapara. He already ate some of the bird, now he found there's a trefa. Didn't ha- assuming it didn't happen afterward, assuming it's clear that it was already present at the time of the Shechita, when the animal was still alive. Does need a kapara for what he did? Says the Panameiros, if the problem did not turn up until after he ate the whatever he ate, he's an onus, onus rechmana patre, he is not chayev in any kapara. He says, since you're not to check, you're an onus, even if you could have checked, in other words, classic onus means you, you literally had no choice, you couldn't have done anything else. This is not that kind of onus, you could have checked, it's possible to check the other Yudches Trefus. It's not impossible. After you check it, you could spend an hour or two going through the, all the different organs, looking for all 70 of the Trefus at the Rambam lists, the 72 Trefus. You could. You're not, a, you're not literally an onus. It's not literally impossible. You're not to. Says the Panameiros, that's still called an onus. The fact that you're not to, that makes you qual- classified as an onus. Source, precedent, the din we've been discussing, the ruling of the Maram and the Rush and the Mordechai and the Ramah, if the woman was Shimsha Shlobashas Vesta, and then she found Dam, even if we know the Dam was there at the time, she, he and she are called an Ones. They could have checked, they could have uh, been more careful than Amachayev to. Enam Srikim Kapara, Lohu Velohi, Hachanami, Kivan Davi Ones, Lotzara Kapara. He is. He is a. Uh, he's Potter. No Kapara. This is in Chelek Bez of his tshuvas. In Chelek Gimel, he has a follow-up tshuva, the exact same question again. Someone ate an oaf, found... I don't know if he was asked the question again, or he just decided to return to it. In Chelek Gimel, he says, I ruled in Chelek Bez that if you found a trefa afterwards, you don't need a kapara. Now I see this. It's a mission, he says, not just a raya from the, from the Maram, from the Ramah. It's a mission, he says. A mission in Psachim. The mission says, if you shechted an animal, and then it turned out to be a balmum, you're not allowed to shecht a balmum as a carbon, Yerchayev. But if you shechted and found that it was a trefa, beseser, inside the animal there was something that made it a trefa, like a problem with the lung or the mayayim, you're potter from a chatas, you're potter from, 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 from bringing a carbon for the avera of, of shechting a trefa, because you're an onus. 
So, in other words, Balmum is typically external. A, a mum, pretty much all the mumim, I think all the mumim are external. So a mum is always, no, by definition, a mum is always noticeable. If you didn't check for mumim, then you are, you're not an onus, and you're chayef. You did an aver and bring shechting a carbon, that was a balmum. But if you found it was trefa baseser, it was a trefa inside the animal, you couldn't have checked until after you shechted it. Some trefas are external, like certain types of broken legs and so on. Other trefas are internal. Problems with the lungs, problems with the intestines. You're an onus, the Gemara says. So you see, because you see he's an onus, there's nothing wrong. Even over there, it could be that you couldn't have checked. You're literally an onus. There's literally nothing you could have done here. You could have checked for the Yudchas trefas, but he says, since you're not mechayiv to check, he assumes that's equivalent to not, not being able to check. You're an onus. I, I, I'd have to look in the Akimar a little bit more carefully and see if there's more there than I've been explaining. But he feels Akimar is a proof to what he said, that you're potter. If it's not your fault, you don't need a kapara. Onus rekwana patre. This is an absolute proof, he says. There, there's no room for any further discussion. And the, it's, this is an absolute proof, he says, that, the, that, that, that you don't need a kapara for doing something, for doing something where it's not your fault. Okay, so the Panamiris is, is confident and emphatic in his position that there is, uh, if, it's, if it's not your fault, even if you, even, even he says in his chuvas, even if you could have checked a little bit better, you could have checked, it was possible for you to check, but since you're not Mechliyev too, he believes that that is, he believes that that is something that you're still considered an onus, and therefore, and therefore you are, don't need any kapar. The Gemara Sachem, just looking at it now, the Gemara Sachem says, if you shecked it and found it to Balmum, you're Chayev, and Karim Pesach, Rashi says, you're a Shogig and not an onus, you should have checked, Havle Levakure, but if you uh, but if you found that it was a tray for Besaser, you're Potter. Because you because it was again it was Besaser, so you couldn't have checked. So again, we could be Madka this Rayalchar, we could say that there you're an audience you literally could not have checked. Bashain came for the Yurchas Trefas, you could have checked, you're not Mukhayev to. Okay, he doesn't make that distinction. He thinks it's Pashur if you're not Mukhayev to check, as we saw in the Maram's ruling about Nida. If you're not Mukhayev to check, you're Potter and you're an onus, you don't need a kapar. Third chuva in the same vein is a tshuva of the Torah Lishma. Torah Lishma, we've, we've encountered his tshuvas before. These are the tshuvas of, these are tshuvas that are generally believed today to be by the Ben Eshchai, Rabbi Yosef Chaim of Baghdad. The, he didn't publish them, he published them. He claimed that they were not his own tshuvas. He claimed that they were, that they were ancient tshuvas, that he, the tshuvas of Akadmon, of, uh, that they were published as, 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 as claiming that they, they were from an earlier... He, he said that they were from a uh, they were from a chacham named Yecheskel Kachli, from an earlier an earlier generation. But they are widely believed today. I think his own descendants said the their own his own descendants said that, that it was uh, it was his own chuvas. So again, his Rav Pa'alim are his more formal, more more rigorous chuvas. The Torah Lishma is a little more uh, out there, a little more interesting. Very often, but anyway, in his Torah Lishma, he has a version of this question. This is something that, that possibly affects, uh, well, maybe affects us, hopefully not, too often. The question was as follows. You know, the old joke about what's worse than biting into an apple and finding a worm in an apple, bite, biting into an apple and finding half a worm in an apple. That was the Shail of the Torah Lishma. You bite into an apple and you find half a worm in an apple. You ate the other half, apparently. Are you Mechuyiv? Are you Mechuyiv in Kapara? Did you do an Aver? She'ela, pre Shein Darkel Hasliyev and Mechuber, so some fruits you're mechuyev to check, and if you don't check, then certainly you're an avarian. Certainly you need a kapara. But some peiros, 
It's not the derech to, 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 to be not the derech to be wormy while they're connected to the ground. They don't have they don't have bug problems. So you ate that fruit without checking, like an apple or a potato, where the minig is not to check. You don't have to check. Peshein sarach labadko. You have to check. The irashayibotolas. It turned out there was actually a bug in the fruit. And how do you know that? Because when you ate part of the fruit, you saw that there was half a worm left in the fruit, and you realized that the other half was probably eaten. Do you need a kapara kedin shogeg? It, do you need a kapara? Oh, Dilma's an honest. Maybe we, we, we consider you an honest, because even if you could have checked, you're not mechayiv to check. You're not mechayiv, because it's not the derech of this fruit to be infested. So you're an honest. So no problem. Similar question, he says, if you ate a raw egg, and then you, and then you ate part of a raw egg, and then you found some blood. Again, the blood that we have is not so chamer, because our eggs are not fertilized, so the blood is, we're machmer l'chatchila, but the blood is not so bad. But let's say you had a, you're on a farm. There, there, are, there are male roosters around, the eggs could be fertilized eggs. You ate, you ate a raw egg, and then you found there was some blood in the remaining half of the egg, and it looks like this egg had started to form into a chick, and that egg is usher, mikra, din. So you realize you ate some of the egg, you ate some of, the, you ate some of this blood. Do you need a kapara? So very similar to the shadow of the panamiris. Do you need a kapara for eating something that you could have checked? You're not mechayiv to check. But it turned out you, you ate something that was usher. Says the Torah lishma, like the panamiris, ha'anus enot tzarech kapara. There is no need of kapara for an ones. An ones includes, as we've been saying, an ones includes in this context the, the case where you're not mechayiv to check. Like the Ramah Paskins in Yardaya, B'Shem the Mordechai, B'Shem the Rosh, quoting the Maram, that if a person was with his wife, Shlobishas Vest, and it turned out that she was Tmeya, no problem, no kapara necessary. You're an onus, you're not mechayiv to check. He says, our case as well, you're an onus. Since you're not mechayiv to check this fruit, if it has worms, since it's not a fruit that's typically infested, Potter, no problem. And he brings in another riot to this idea. And then he says, and then he throws in, a, he throws in a, a Kabbalistic reference. He says, Rav Chaim Vital. Rav Chaim Vital testified about his Rebbe, the Arizal, Luria, that he used to eat raw eggs. And he wasn't concerned that there might be blood in them. So, you know, other eggs, when, when you cook an egg, you can check. But apparently he ate raw eggs. He didn't even check to see if there was blood. So he says, you see, there's not even basis for a Chumrah. And therefore, it's Pasha, you're an Ones, he says. You don't need a Kapara. We don't treat it like a Shogig. Shogig needs Kapara. Ones doesn't need Kapara. Nevertheless, he says, a person should be Mistair and be Misvada. That's not what they meant by Tshuva. Feeling bad and saying Vidu, that, that you should do, of course, he says. But real Tshuva, rigorous Tshuva, rigorous penance, you're not Mokhayev to do, you don't need a Kapara. You should feel bad. You should say Vidu, he says, that this thing happened to you. Kibal Nefesh Yachmer, Lasa Kapara, Gamal Ones. A Bal Nefesh, a person who's a Bal Madrega, should do tshuva even for an onus, but meikra din, you are meikra din. You're not mechuyev to meikra din. You do not need a kapara for an onus. That's the so. Th- this is a string of tshuvas that, that all say more or less the same thing. The maram, the rush, Ramah paskin this way, the panamiras, the Torah lishma. They all say more or less the same thing. That they all seem to say more or less the same thing. That you're not mechuyev to check. That if you're not mechayiv to check, you're an onus. If you're an onus, you don't need kapara, and therefore don't worry about it. It can be mitzvah and misvada as a bal nefesh, but meikra din, you don't need a kapara. The Noda Yehuda has a lengthy discussion of this topic. He introduces the tshuva begins in a very interesting way. He says, first of all, he says, um, "I'm very happy." Tshuva was to a Talmud. I'm very happy to see that my hope in you has not been disappointed. I see that your you know, my talmidim are successful in their Torah and their hard work, and it gives me nachas. He says. Good, you joined a certain kolel, I see that was good, you're, you're steiging and you're learning, fine. 
Now, now this Talmud had brought, not apparently a practical, well, there might have been a practical element to the question as well, but much of the tshuva discusses uh, the abstract theoretical question, same question we're discussing, whether, a, a, the, back to the question of Nida, whether a person, whether a person uh, who, who was with his wife and then turned out she was Tmea through no fault of her own, Deshnida Kapara. So the Talmud had quoted from a sefer of apparently a very distinguished Talmud Chacham, I'm not sure who this person was, Rav Wolf Alesker, he said, he published a sefer, says in Adbi Yehuda, I haven't seen the sefer, but I want to tell you about the author, he says, I know the author, and he was a great Talmud Chacham, he was Mufla Gadol V'atzim Batara, and he had incredible Hasmada, he says, and he was incredibly Charif and Bucky. However, he says, despite all that, he's, uh, he, he, he's a little bit reckless, he says, he has a kind of a reckless disregard for Gedoli Harishonim. He says whatever he wants. And I'm pretty sure, he says, when, uh, when they print his sefer, you'll see when it, his sefer will be full of uh, disagreeing with Rishonim and challenging uh, established venerable authorities. Even though he was a tzaddik, he said, Olam, he says, and a chassid, and a parish. Nevertheless, he was very fearless, he says. He didn't care what Rishonim said. Lo nasapanim to Gedoli Harishonim. He would just disagree with them. In this case, the, this revolf was quoted as disagreeing with the Maram. The Maram and the Rush and the Mordechai and the, and the Ramah, they all said that a woman doesn't need a kapara if she was with her husband, if it wasn't the Shas Vesta, if she, if she didn't do anything wrong, if she wasn't Mokhiv to check. Ravolf disagreed. He felt he had a raya from a Gemara, that the a raya from the Gemara against the Maram, that she does need a kapara. And therefore, this Ravolf concluded, not like all those great poskim, the, he, he was cholek on the Maram and the Rush, and he held that even though the Chum said you don't have to be Bodek and you shouldn't be Bodek, never, that nevertheless, he says, since it was possible to do Bodeka, and maybe she would have caught the problem, you can't call that an onus, that's a shogig, and she needs a kapar. Okay. So he says that, and he brought a raya, he brought a very interesting raya. He brought a raya that the, there's a Gemara in Yivamas, Mission Yivamas. The Mission Yivamas says that if a, a, a woman, husband disappears, which we try to establish whether he's dead, she's not gonna. If Basin issued a ruling allowing her to allowing her to remarry, and then it turned out the husband was alive, she does not require a carbon. However, it turned out the husband was alive, she did not require a chatas for Ish. However, if she heard witnesses testify, but there was no formal ruling of Basin, and she got married, and then it turned out the husband was alive, the witnesses lied, then she does need to bring a carbon. Rashi says, why? Because, because she's a shogeg and not an onus. Because she could have waited. She could have waited. Even though she's allowed to rely on Adam, she's allowed to listen to the Adam. The Torah said, Abishnaya made him Yakum Dover. Why does she have to wait? She doesn't have to wait. She's allowed to rely on the Adam. But since she could have waited, she's not called an onus. Why is based in different? That's a question. But, the, but when, she, when, she, when she got married, relying on Adam, she is, since she could theoretically have waited until she was, at, she was absolutely sure that the husband was dead, therefore she's not considered an owner, she's a shogig. Therefore, the case of Nida as well, and presumably the cases of the fruits and the vegetables as well, all these cases, even though she's not mochiv to wait, you, you, you don't have to be bodek, the woman's not mochiv to check for dam, you're not mochiv to check the fruit, the woman's not mochiv to second-guess the edim. Nevertheless, if it turned out that, she, that the person did the iser, even though they weren't mechuyev to suspect the, that possibility, that's considered a shogig and not an onus, in defiance of everything we've seen. Says the... Says the... Says the Nod he, he says, he quotes his Talmud, he, he agrees with his Talmud, he says, 
the case of Nida is different. The case of Nida in particular is certainly, certainly is not considered a show gig. And the reason is because she's not supposed to check. Like we saw the Maram mention this as well, that there's a concern. We, we don't encourage people to check right before Tashmish. It says, Kaliyadamar Belivduk in general is good. We don't encourage a woman to check at the time that she's preparing to be with her husband because that can basically destroy the mood. That, that can cause them to start worrying and maybe she's Nida, maybe I shouldn't do this now. So Chazal Dafka did not want them to check at the time of the at the time of the of Tashmish. So there, for sure, he says the Maram would be right because you're not even supposed to check. So maybe you'll tell me in the, the Gemara Nivamas where the Edim said her husband is dead. The Chum said you are allowed to believe the Edim. You don't have to. If you want to wait, you can wait. There's nothing wrong with waiting if you want to be extra sure. So there, you're considered a shogig and not an onus. But in the case where the Chum said don't check, they don't want you to check. There, Lachar, it's Pashachis and onus, and therefore. And therefore, the Nebuchadnezzar says, therefore, even, even if we accept his interpretation of the Mishnah, in the case of Nida, which he's not supposed to check, then for sure we can say that she's considered an onus and doesn't need, a, and do, and doesn't need any kapar. Then he goes on, he spends a lot of time on the sugya. We're not going to go through all the ins and outs of his analysis. But he says, and, but, but, but he, and, he, and, he, and he deals with, he mentioned earlier, he deals with the fact that Maram seems to be saying two different study hetzer, that, that she's an onus and she could have checked. He actually seems to want to come out along the lines that we were just saying. He actually seems to conclude that in the case of the Maram, the, 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 the Maram is saying, based on a close reading of his language, is that, first of all, if she did check, then she's an onus. If she didn't check, since she's not supposed to check, she's also an onus. But again, the implication would be that the, the implication would be that if she, in the case of the vegetables, where she, nobody says you're not supposed to check. If you want to check, if you want to check extra things. In the case of the vegetables, it's not like the case of Nida. The case of Nida is a special case, like his Talmud said earlier. In the case of Nida, he, he, he returns to the Svara. In the case of Nida in particular, the, the Maram, the Rosh, the Mordechai, the Ramah, there there's a special Svara to say that she's an Onesh, she's an Anusa, because you're not even supposed to check. But in cases like the fruits and vegetables, in cases like the Mishnah Yuvamas, where she could have checked, even, and, and there's no Isser, she could have waited, she could have checked, there's no Isser in doing so, maybe you do need a kapara. Again, that, that wasn't really primarily his concern, but he entertains this possibility. Furthermore, in the course of the tshuva, he says something very interesting, he makes a very interesting chiluk about, uh, about the mission of Yivamas. Again, the mission of Yivamas says that if she was Nisus Alpi Edim, she has to bring a carbon. She listened to Edim, Edim said, the witnesses said, the husband's dead, two witnesses, she has every right to believe them, that's the gold standard of evidence of proof in halacha, Turned out they were lying or mistaken. She has to bring a carbon. Why? What did she do wrong? So, so how is that different from, the, from all these other cases of vegetables and so on, where if we assume like the part of the year, she doesn't have to check, and therefore she's an, she's an, and he's an onus. Why is that case different? So the Yudah says a very interesting svara. He says, he says a very interesting svara. He says that the, he, he brings one other case. He brings a Tosfus. Tosfus says, Tosfus and the Ramban say, that a woman who did yibum, the case is that a that a, a woman did yibum. So the halacha is, if, if, when, when a woman's husband died and she has no children, she's eligible to do yibum. We don't do yibum with manazash, kenazim, but mikra din, she's supposed to do yibum. Svardim still do. Some svardim. So the, the question is, what if she's pregnant? The halacha is, if she's pregnant with her husband's child and eventually bears a viable child, then there's no yibum. Then it's also to do yibum. It's eshazach. It's, it's incest to do yibum in such a case. There's no chiv of yibum. Whenever there's no chiv, it goes back to being an erva. So how does she know? What if she's pregnant? So the halacha is she has to wait. And today we have pregnancy tests maybe, but in time of the Talmud, she's supposed to wait. She's supposed to wait three months because 
a pregnancy is generally discernible by three months. If we don't discern any pregnancy by three months, then she can assume that she's not pregnant, and she can go ahead and do Yibam. So they talk about a case, let's say she waited three months, she did Yibam, then it turned out she was pregnant, it turned out she, she, she missed the pregnancy, she, she didn't realize she was pregnant. So, says Tosus that the, she does not need a kapara. Tosus says, no kapara necessary, he says, she wouldn't bring a carbon, which Yehuda says means you wouldn't need a kapara at all, apparently. No, Tosa says no kapara necessary because since most women can discern a pregnancy after three months, she had the right to rely on the rove. She had the right to, after, before three months, is a real chance she's pregnant. It's a good chance she's pregnant. She certainly can't do evil. But after three months, she has every right to assume that she's not pregnant. Most women are not, even though it's possible that she is. She's not mochayevas to be choshish for that, and therefore she does not bring a carbon. How is that different from the case of the woman who got married, Alpi Adim? There also she's allowed to rely on the Adim, but if it turned out that the Adim were lying, it turned out they were mistaken, she has to bring a chatas for what she did. So this woman also, she's allowed to rely on the rove, that rove women who, who, who don't show pregnant after three months are not pregnant, but if it turns out she was, why shouldn't she bring a chatas? What's the difference? In both cases, she's allowed to wait. She's allowed to wait further. Maybe you'll tell me because even as a mitzvah, as reason makdim and mitzvah, he says, that's dochik. Tosa doesn't mention anything about his reason. So what's the difference in these two cases? In the case of the, of, in the, case of the Aguna, where Adam say the husband is dead, there we, say that, there we say that even though she had every right to rely on the Adam, if it turned out the Adam lied, bad luck for her, she has to bring a carbon. But in the case of the Yavama, who waited three months, we say that's a perfectly acceptable thing to do. Wait three months, and then you can assume you're not pregnant. You don't, you don't have to bring a carbon if it turned out you are pregnant. Why? What's the difference? The Behuda says a very interesting svara, a very interesting lambdas. He says there's a difference between relying on a human being and relying on a presumption of the world, like a chazaka, something like that. He says anytime you rely on just an aspect of the natural world, the chazaka, the, the, the way pregnancies develop, he says, in those types of cases, there he says you did nothing wrong, you relied, you followed the Torah of relying on rove, relying on, on, prob- on likelihood and probability, he says. Therefore, that's not a toast at all. There was no mistake. It turned out the facts were not, were not what you assumed, but there, there was no mistake in the process. The process is considered to be 100% legitimate, and therefore, no chatas. In the case of the Edom, who lied or mistaken, even though it turned out that you, you had every right to rely on them, but they lied. The process, therefore, was based on a tos. Therefore, he says, you need a chatas. Similarly, the, the Gemara in Harayos is mavur, that if, a, if an individual followed Basin's ruling, and it, it ter- Basin issued a ruling that a certain piece of meat is mutter, it's not chaylev, and you ate it, and it turned out that it was chaylev, you're chayav a carbon. In certain cases, Basin brings a parhelam davashel tzibur, and then the yechidim are potter. If most of Klai Yisrael followed Basin, then the Yechidim are potter, individuals are potter, and only Basin brings a special national carbon. But in the case of where only a few people followed Basin, then Basin does not bring a carbon, and the Yechidim do. Why? They're an onus. There's, there's certainly nothing wrong with following Basin. Losasar Yemin is small. Even if they say small shul Yemin, Yemin shul is small. You follow Basin no matter what. I did nothing wrong. I, I followed Das Torah. I followed Basin. What did I do wrong? Says in Abihuda, that's true. But even though you did nothing wrong, if, you, if the process involved a toast, if a human being made a mistake, whether a mistake in paskening like Basin, whether a mistake in declaring the husband prematurely dead, the Mark Twain, the, the, the reports of his death were, uh, 
were uh, holy, were entirely, were, were uh, very exaggerated or something like that. The, were, were greatly exaggerated. So the, in a case where a mistake was made by witnesses or based in, that's considered an invalid process. Even though from your perspective, morally, you did nothing wrong. You did exactly what the Torah wanted you to do. You trusted the Adam, you trusted Bastin. But if a human being in the chain of evidence made a mistake or lied or was wrong, that's considered an invalid process retroactively and you need a kapara. In a case where you do not rely on humans, you relied on presumptions like chazakos and roves and so on, there there was no toast involved, and in such a case you don't need a kapara at all. It's a very, it's a very subtle svar. I'm not sure I understand the, the logic of this exactly, but according to this far, the Nabi Yehuda as well, that we have a chiluk between relying on human beings and relying on just uh, non-sentient aspects of the world. Relying on the nature of the world is fine. It, there's no toes involved, no human made a mistake, and therefore, even though the facts turned out not what you would assume, you don't need a kapara. If you rely on human beings, then you need a kapara. So getting back to the case of the Panamira, so the case that comes up where the stores sold tray food and they were caught selling tray food, do the consumers need a kapara? Panamira says no. Torah Lishma says no. This is based on the tshuva the Maram. The Maram says that, you, that the nida, you don't need a kapara if, 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 you weren't, if you had no reason to be choshish. As we've been pointing out, the, the raya from nida is not such a good raya because the nida you're not even supposed to check, as Nodbihuda points out, it's actually wrong to check. Masha'enke, in the case of the fruits and vegetables, or the case of the animal, you could check for more trefers, you're not mechayif to, but you could, there's nothing wrong. So arguably in that case, uh, that case is worse, that case may be, you're not considered an onus. That was the svara of this Ravolf. Revolf held this way, that, that, that Revolf held even in the case of the Maram, since you could have checked your, your chayev, even if we don't accept them over there because you're not allowed to check, but in the case of the, in the cases where you could have checked, like the fruits and vegetables or the case of the, the trefus, you could have checked. So over there, certainly it's possible to say that you're not an onus. Nodibud himself at one point seems to explain the Maram, that the Maram's far is based on the fact that you're not supposed to check, which would imply that anytime, you, anytime you're allowed to check, it could be it's, uh, you're not an onus. However, Nodibud himself, in the course of the tshuva, has a different chilak where he says that anytime there's a human being involved who made a mistake, that's considered, that's considered onus, that, that's considered toast, and therefore you need a kapara. Anytime there's no human being who made a mistake, there, there's no toast, and you don't need a kapara. Going to that svara, in the cases of the fruits and vegetables, if, the, if you relied on the fact that, that infestation is not prevalent, and al-pichazaka, you're not mochif to check, it turned out you were unlucky, there was a bug, you would not need a kapara like the panamiris and the taralishma. Potentially, if, if human beings made a mistake, if the cashier's agency somehow got mixed up and they didn't properly investigate and, they, and, they, and you relied on a person who gave you wrong information, then maybe you would need a kapara. But in a case where the, the information you had was fine and based on the information you had, the, and based on the information you had, there was no reason to check and you didn't check, then we have these chuvas of the panamiras and the taralishma that say that, uh, that, that you don't need a kapara, you don't need any kapara, Tarlishma adds that you don't, you don't need formal kapara, but a bal nefesh, a, a person who is a bal madrega, should still feel bad, he should be mitzvah, and be misvada. But formally speaking, mi'ikra din, you don't need a kapara. There's, there's further discussion in the Akron, and there's a tshuva in the Chemda Shlomo, there's other, there's other literature on this topic, but we'll stop here. The, the bottom line is, the, these, these are the major tshuvas that we have. We have the maram, accepted by virtually all the poskim, that in the case of nida, you don't need a kapara. If, if, assuming it was Napashas Vesta, you don't need a kapara. We have the Panamiros in the case of eating, eating a, a behemoth that turned out to be a trefa. If you weren't, you have to check for that. You don't need a kapara. 
we have the Torah Lishma regarding eating a bug, assuming it was a case that Al-Pi Alacha, you have to check, you found there was a bug, you don't need a Kapara. We have the Pilpul Nod Behuda, who has different Svaras, back and forth, that neither case is especially lenient because you're not supposed to check. Other cases, maybe, maybe, maybe you wouldn't be considered an onus. But uh, the Iker in the postkim seems to be that, 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 at least in terms of the sources we've, we've seen tonight, that if you're not Mokhif to check and there's no reason to check, then it, it's good maybe to be or to be about it. But Meikra Din, you, you don't need a Kapara, Meikra Din, we consider you an onus and not a Shogik.